I want to take you to Proverbs 23, verse number 26. It says, my son, give me your heart. And we're going to introduce a sermon series beginning today with this message entitled Heart Habits. Habits of the heart, and we want to talk a little bit about this and what does it mean in the context of understanding the things of the heart and the things that our heart does. Solomon is writing to his son now different passages of scripture. Sometimes Solomon is writing to Lemuel, one of his sons. Other times scholars believe that he's writing to his other sons as well. And then other times scholars believe that he's writing to many of his sons as broad, not just Lemuel specifically, but broad because Solomon had many wives and concubines and he had many uh, children and this was one of the ways that he can sort of be a father to teach and so he would write things and it's that application is still very true today mothers and fathers we got to be intentional we need to be intentional about passing to our children a word and a wisdom from God that is multi-generational we live in a society sometimes as family we just crisscross and we don't communicate and we don't teach them the ways of God and the wisdom of God and Samuel is is taking a pause and he says my son give me your heart give me your heart in other words can I have your attention for a moment son stop what you're doing put your put your device down and can I just have a minute and talk to you that's what he's saying now Samuel or Solomon is writing to his son but remember the word of God is given to us and is given to us, and if you will, apply it in the context of God the Father, and now writing to his sons and daughters, and he is saying to you, my sons, my daughters, give me your heart. Give me your passion, give me, your, give me a moment to where I can just, well, would you just lean in? Have you ever had one of those fatherly talks? Have you ever received one of those fatherly talks where dad is, you know, not just, it's a little obvious when it's not just, I'm telling you, son, you know, the finger comes out, the voice changes a little bit, a little agitation in his voice, but now he's reflecting a little bit and he says, son, would, would, would you sit down with me for a moment? I want you to hear what I have to say. Solomon is saying, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. What I love about our church is we are, whether we designed it this way or not, God did, we are a multi-generational church. Just in this very auditorium, we have people with different age of life and seasons of life. And you know, the same can be applied spiritually in the life of our church. We are a multi-generational church. We have new believers in the faith, right Annie? Amen? We have folks that are trying to understand their faith. We have people who are growing in the faith. We have newborn babes in the faith and we have mature saints in the faith. We, have, we are a multi-generational church and that's a good thing. Because it's wonderful when the body of Christ that we are pouring into the next generation and Samuel, uh, Solomon, I keep saying Samuel, Solomon was speaking into the next generation and so he's saying, son, I wanna speak to you in, into your generation. Would you, would you lend me your ears? And so for a moment, I want us as the family of God to listen to the heart of the Father and just lean in for just a moment. But he says something interesting here. He says, observe my ways. Because parents, sometimes we can tell our children one thing and we are not living it out ourselves. 
So Solomon is so wise, and because of his wisdom, now he's not just teaching his children the word of God and the wisdom of God, but he's saying, I double dog dare you to put me to the test. Observe my ways. So he says, I want you to listen to me, but I want you to know that your father is, is not just telling you one thing. He is also going to put himself to the test and observe my ways, son. See if I'm, if, if, if I'm saying one thing and doing the other. That's not a good thing, and we recognize that. I have been guilty of that as a father. And my sons and your children can obviously detect those things, and you can't fool a child. So he says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Now I want you to take uh, your attention to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verse number 26, and the passage will be on the screen. And there are Bibles underneath your seat that you can follow along if you would like. And then I also would like to say there are message notes, and we print every single week. We'll print anywhere from 30 to 50. And in this last service, my goodness, we received such a great response from it that uh, the office staff had to run back and print uh, about 50 more because many folks just decided to go to our connection table and grab more of the message notes, and you're welcome to do that. We printed more up as well. You can follow along in this, but I want you to write four things, and I'll give those four things to you in a bit. Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put your spirit within you, I will, my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes to carefully observe my ordinances. There's that word observe again. And he says, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to trade your heart, a heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I went to the doctor uh, this past week and the week before for, uh, this past week for my follow-up checkup, but it's pretty obvious. Do we have any medical professionals in this building today? All right. Some of you nurses and doctors, we have a, a doctor in the house over here. They generally will put an instrument like this and they'll probably put something on your finger or put something on your arm, and take your blood pressure, all that stuff, and they'll listen to your heart. The reason they need to listen to your heart is sometimes physically out here, it doesn't reveal what's going on in here. So listening to the heart and other monitoring devices allow medical professionals who have studied, who have worked hard, they understand uh, the rhythm of the heart and they understand the electrodes of the heart, they understand our breathing pattern, and oftentimes they'll put something like this to your, uh, to your chest, and what, are the, what they'll typically ask you is take a deep breath. And they'll tell you to inhale, they'll tell you to exhale, and they are listening to your lungs, they are listening to your heart, they are listening to your organs, and that gives them insight into what is happening in your body. For a moment in this portion of our service, in this message, I want to spiritually, as Jesus Christ is the great physician, I want us to take a deep breath for Jesus Christ. Against, against the stethoscope of the word of God and putting it right here to our chest and taking a deep breath and allow him to examine our hearts. Because he says here in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I'm going to trade you a heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. You ever met somebody that has what they'll refer to as a hard heart or a callous heart? 
They're just, man, they're rough and tough. But then there are some who appears to be rough and tough, but man, they're just a teddy bear. On the inside, they are just a teddy bear. We, I, I've met people even in our church, man, they're bodybuilders, they, they're strong, but you start speaking to them and they're like, man, they are precious and just soft and tender and compassionate. <clears throat> in this passage, I want us to recognize that God is going to give us, he's going to trade us. If we are new believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he has put a new spirit within us, a new heart within us, and he is trading our heart of stone and he is giving us a heart of flesh. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you and I to be just like Jesus. Max Lucado said this, and he gave the illustration, and he said, for 24 hours, Jesus is going to borrow your body. He is going to borrow your schedule. He is going to borrow your, your friendships and your relationships. He's going to borrow your life, but with one exception. Jesus is going to live with his heart instead of yours. What would that be like? What would it be like if Jesus borrowed everything on the exterior here and everything else, but his heart was living it out of your life? What would that be like? A couple of uh, months ago, I read a story of a girl that had to have a heart transplant and somebody passed away and they were an organ donor and the organ donor gave uh, her heart to the next person and it just so happened to be this teenage girl. And so they rushed that organ and, and had it in the proper protocol to take care of her. <coughs> got it to the hospital. They were able to perform the surgery and she was able to receive a new heart. Well, months passed by and the father of the other young person who had, who had passed away and whose heart was now being transferred into another girl, the father asked permission if he could go uh, meet that person and go listen to his daughter's heart. It was such a moving story and it was so interesting. The father um, had, had, had been working up the emotions and he stood there and he asked permission, may I have permission to put my ear to listen to my daughter's heart? Oh, he was so, and you can, you can see him just bawl and bawl as he was listening to his daughter's heart. May I say to you in the same way, God the father wants to listen to his son's heart in you. Do you have a transformed heart, a heart of flesh of Jesus Christ, or is it a heart of stone? God says he will put a new spirit, a new heart. That story touched me, and it is part of what I want to introduce in this message series of heart habits. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. God is transforming us from one glory to another and he is renewing us. He is sanctifying our heart and he is giving us a heart that was hard and he is softening that heart up and he's making it malleable and soft and tender as the heart of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your hearts would be tender to receive it. What are some habits that you have been trying to kick for the year 2019? It's February 3rd. How you doing? 
How, how are all those heart habits that you have, those heart habits and life habits that you've been trying to work on? Can I say this? If your heart is not into it, it is unlikely that you will follow through with it. Wouldn't you agree with me? Have you ever wanted someone, man, you're determined, you're like, man, I'm gonna get to the gym every single day, and then all of a sudden, you tell, uh, you, you tell one of your friends, and you're like, hey, Gerard, you're gonna go to the gym with me, whether you like it or, you're, or, or not, and you're stopping by, and you're picking up your friend, and he's like, man, I don't wanna go to the gym. You need to go to the gym. You see, if his heart is not into it, it's not the same, right? But when your heart is into something, all of a sudden, it's like, man, sure, let's do it. Let's, let's go, man, we're, we're in this together, let's do it. And I want us to have, not my heart, I don't want us to have each other's heart. There's only one heart here that we need to have, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is time to, in the words of Dr. John Chris, check your heart. You need to check your heart. This is an opportunity for us to just check our hearts and say, where are we at? Do you know someone who has a good heart? Probably names are already coming into your mind like, oh, they have a good heart. I love being around people who have good hearts. They're just something about them, their purity, their sincerity. I want us to transition as we begin talking about heart habits now to talking and integrating a subject matter that we're going to be studying for the next three weeks and we're gonna spread it out. This is not a concentrated message. We're gonna spread this out in to stewardship and giving and recognizing ownership of God in our lives as well. But who has your heart? Whoever has your heart, the Bible says according to the Gospels, in the, <coughs> in the Gospels in Matthew it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's interconnected. It is related to each other. So in this topic of heart habits, we've got to see the correlation. God does not need you and I to give. You and I need to be blessed. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God shows his love for us. He demonstrated his love. He showed his love for us. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us so much with an everlasting love and he is the one who is giving himself constantly into us and into our lives. Matthew 16, verse 25 to 26, for whoever would save his life to lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his own soul? For what shall a man give in return for his soul? Check your heart. Giving is all about the heart. Joy-filled giving is what God desires from us. Jesus, the word of God says, he loves a cheerful giver. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. This principle of giving applies to every area of our life. A heart of gratitude is vital in creating a lifestyle of generosity. Matthew verse seven and Luke chapter six, verse 37 through 38 says, judge not and you will not be judged. Listen to these words and I wanna ask you a question after I read this passage. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken, running over, will he put into your lap or your bosom. For what measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. I want to ask you a question. Was money referenced in this scripture? Not at all. But yet when we read that scripture, if we've been in church long enough, or if we talk about the word giving, we immediately connect that to money. When you hear the word give, do you immediately think money? I said earlier that giving applies in every area of your life. In Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For some of us, it might be like this. When someone says, put your right hand over your heart, you're like, right here. Because your heart is not up here because you're more, this is truly where a reflection of your heart really is. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Deuteronomy, which is the passage of scripture that we're going to park at, Deuteronomy 15, if you are following along in the scriptures in your own Bible or a Bible app or a hard Bible, look at Deuteronomy chapter number 15. Deuteronomy 15 verse 7 through 8 says this, If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within the land that, you're, that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. There it is, that hardening of the heart again. You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficiently for his need, whatever it may be. Deuteronomy 14 talks about the tithes and the offering. Deuteronomy 15 talks about what it means to be a slave and what it means to uh, understand stewardship and reflecting back to God who's given us all things. In Deuteronomy 7, verse uh, all the way down through verse number 20, it's going to talk a lot about the heart towards the children of Israel because they were just freed from Egypt and now they're going to the promised land and he's going to give them a reflection because remember in the story of uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, hardened his heart and the children of Israel God did not want their hearts to be hardened as they were being callous to receiving the blessings of God and the daily provisions of God and God wanted them to reflect and recognize it was of the goodness of God that God gave them freedom and they were no longer slaves and he had promises blessings in store for them so he was teaching them principles about what type of heart that needs to be and hence we have this message of heart habits. What kind of heart does God desire for the believer today? Number one, write this down. We want to deal with a greedy heart. We want to deal with a greedy heart. In Deuteronomy, verse number, chapter 15, as we continue in this passage of Deuteronomy, forgive me, verse number nine says, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly, greedily. Your eyes look greedily on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. We've got to deal with this greedy heart. God was trying to speak to the children of Israel, and he says, listen, I've got to deal with your greedy hearts. And in our today, in our culture today, we have more self-centeredness and more self-consumerism. That's what Dr. Wayne Smith was referring to. Are you a, one who contributes to the body of Christ and giving to others, or are you one who is a taker or a consumer of things? 
Got to deal with a greedy heart. The Lord is concerned with our hearts. God does not bless giving. Rather, he blesses giving from the right heart attitude. It is true that when we give, we receive. However, that should not be the motivation for giving. We must deal with this selfishness of our hearts. Some people like to, they give to get as opposed to get to give. That friend who, I got you, I'll cover you, but you got me next time, right? And they're always keeping tabs. Listen, I paid for the meal, and the last time it was your treat, man, uh, or it was my treat, and you, you bought a $20 hamburger, and then this time I'm like $5 hamburger, and they're always keeping tabs, and those are your greedy types of friends where, man, it, they're not giving liberally or care. They're, they're more concerned about, uh, uh, about what's in their wallet and the expenditures of, they, of what they have. I love what Psalmist David said when he said this to God in Psalm 51, 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. And then later on, he says, renew a right spirit within me. And David wanted to have his heart check up with God so badly that he says, God, renew that. I want that heart of flesh, and I don't want that heart of stone. But we've got to deal with this greedy heart. One of the things that we recognize about the character or the nature of God in John 3, 16, one of the most famous passages of scripture, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. God the Father gave. And that is what we were, were talking about in the first two passages of scripture. He says, observe my ways. God the Father is not telling us one thing and not demonstrating something else. You see, he is teaching us wisdom, and he is now saying, observe my ways. I am going to give. And Jesus Christ, so that was God the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Bible says that he gave his life freely for us, for the redemption of our sins. God gave himself freely. We must recognize that we cannot have, in order for us to have a heart after God, we cannot have a greedy heart. So we need to check our heart. I love what God is doing in our church. Today, we are opening up in our children's ministry a room designated to special needs for our church. Isn't that wonderful? It's a special room designated for children and, and parents who might need to have some time to just step away from the busyness of our children's ministry and just step into a quieter, soft space. We have soft flooring for them. We have cushions all around and they're painting it with soft colors and we put a window in there so that they can still be engaged in what's happening on the outside but they, we can still look at them from the inside. And we have a teen buddy system and we have workers that we're training in the life of our church so that we're not a church that is, it's us for no more. It's this is my area and this is my life and this is my life group. We want to be a church that freely receives and we freely give. We want to be a church that's a generous church because it's the heart of who? God. Sometimes it's not my heart. My heart is, you know what, I love Steve and Robin and I love, I love this person, I love that person, Tamara, I love you and that's my friendship and that's it. 
No, we, we want to be a church where we welcome. And we recognize that one of the things we were so hurting was for, we were recognizing some families had children that, that couldn't be in a big group program and they felt bad and they didn't know how to interact with the children uh, in a bigger setting. And so we recognized, oh my goodness, we were having two and three and four and five and six. And then we recognized that with autism and so many things like that in our society today, that children need more attention than ever. And we want to reflect the needs of the community because we want to be a church that is giving back to this community and loving and caring for this community. That's what next month is all about in our missions program, how we can serve the needs of this community and the world because we don't want to be a greedy church. Amen. We want to be a church that is generous, reflecting the heart of the Father. We've got to constantly receive that, but we've got to constantly give that as well. It's a reflection. Every single Saturday, right here in our side wing right here, we have special needs. Uh, they call themselves the special needs gathering. Anywhere from 50 to 75 special needs, people of this community, not our church, of the community, they use our rooms and facilities. And we financially support them and encourage them. And they sing worship songs and they teach the Bible on their level, and it is one of the most pure things that you can ever enjoy. Come on Saturdays and you enjoy it. We wanna be a church that is all inclusive and we wanna recognize the needs of the community. We wanna be a generous church, not a greedy church. Secondly, not only do we have to deal with a greedy heart, number two, we have to deal with a grievous heart. A grievous heart, that's a hurting heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 10 says this, you shall give to him freely, there's that generosity, and your heart, there's that heart again, and your heart shall not be grudging. Don't be grievous, don't be grudgy, don't be greedy, grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. How many of us want the blessing of God? Would you raise your hand? All right, look at that. I thought so. You never ask someone, and they're like, no, I don't want God's blessings, I'm fine. That's not our heart. Now, we may not raise it up in the, physically in an auditorium where someone's asking us some type of rhetorical question like that, I understand. But in all honesty, we don't. Like, nope, not me. I don't want God's blessings. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> no, we all want God's blessings. So he says this. If you want God's blessings, understand that you got to deal with your greedy, grungy heart. He says you shall give to him freely and your heart shall be not, not be grudging. And when you give to him, because the Lord your God will bless you. He blesses you, and he blesses you in all the work and all that you undertake. It's interesting. It is so interesting. Listen to this. We shouldn't give and then grieve over that decision. Selfishness attacks us before we give, and grief attacks us after we give. <laughs> Isn't that so true? Greed attacks us. We don't want to give because we have a greedy heart, if you will. It attacks us before we give, but then after we give, it's like, oh man, I shouldn't have given it to that person. I needed that myself. Or it's grievous in this way. I gave it to that person. I wonder what he's gonna do with it. And we're judging and we're giving it now grievously. God says, don't do that. If we realize that we are simply stewards, everyone say stewards. A steward, you're gonna hear this word a lot. A steward is one who manages the affair of another. Did you know that every good gift and every blessing comes from God the Father? God has given us all things. And so when we recognize that all things belong to God, we recognize that we are simply stewards of what God has given to us. 
if we realize that we are simply stewards and everything belongs to the Lord anyways, we will have a correct perspective or a correct heart about this matter. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. When we have been hurt by the church, we often are guarded against God. Isn't that so true? Somebody within the church hurts me and I take it out on the rest of the body. I'll show them and then we hurt the rest of the body. Have you ever heard, heard or seen someone, if I'm going down, they're all going down with me. That's a grievous heart because hurting people hurt people. But may I also say that healed people, children of God, healed people ought to heal people. We ought not to demonstrate a character of the world and a satanic way of looking at things and an unbiblical way of things, but we should reflect the heart of God. God is a redeemer. God is a healer. God is a restorer. God is a God who is generous and freely he gives back to the family of God. We often are guarded against God. We take it out on God once we have been hurt. We are more protected and cautious. This Listen now, this can prevent us from experiencing intimacy with God and the fullness of his blessings for us. You see, if I, Javon, if I have hurt you and if I decide to take it out on your family, that's not right, is it? They've not done anything to me. And I can now close myself to receiving the love and care from other folks within the family that wasn't even against me. But now because of a grievous heart, I have blocked out, I have blocked out a heart of stone against a brother or a sister or a group of people. Does that make sense? We have to be careful. God says trade that heart in, the heart of stone. And oftentimes in any church, sometimes when the church hurts us, what we mean to say is this person hurt us but yet we take it out on God and we cause that to be a heart of stone rather than a heart of flesh when we're dealing with matters. And so we have to be careful. We gotta deal with a greedy heart. We gotta deal with a grievous heart. And then let's develop, number three, develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 says this in verse number 14. You shall furnish him liberally. Liberally means generously. You'll furnish him liberally out of your flock. Now this passage is referencing what God was telling them. The children of Israel formerly were slaves. And they had, they were, God was teaching them when you have slaves yourself, recognize that you were once slaves. Your slave will work with you for six years. And after the sixth year, you need to set him free. And let him go. And when you let him go, be, don't be greedy. Like, all right, you worked for me for six years and now you can go. No, God was saying, give him, give him your livestock, give him your clothes, give him some money so that he can get started. This was a principle of generosity that God was reflecting to the people who were once themselves slaves. Likewise, we were once slaves. Likewise, we were once in bondage to sin. And so he says, listen, you were once in bondage to sin and you were once a slave and now you need to release other people from that bondage, that same bondage and don't hold them into that. 
we're going to discover in our Heart Habit series a person, a boss who had a slave and that slave owed him something and then later on that slave said, oh master, forgive me and have mercy upon me, be generous to me. And then the story, the parable goes that the master had pity on him and released him from the bondage of what he was owed. And then that very slave had a friend who owed him something else and he says to that friend, that other slave, and he says, you owe me money. And he says, now if you don't pay up, I'm going to send you to the jail and I'm going to make sure the taskmasters know what you've done to me. This was the same guy who received forgiveness from his master, but yet demonstrated something else to a fellow friend. You see, that is not a heart of healing. That is not a heart of generosity. Instead, it was showing a heart that was still greedy and a heart that was still grievous and still had hurt. And now he had taken it out on a friend and we have to be careful We have to trade that heart now to a heart of generosity. As the Lord, continue reading in verse number 14, out of your threshing floor and out of your winepress, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. You shall give to him. Luke 6, verse 30 and 36 through 36 says this, give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish to others would do to you, do also to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners, even the world, for even sinners love those who love them. It's easy to love people who love you back, isn't it? But it's much harder to love people when it's hard to love them. God was demonstrating and giving us a philosophy of his heart for us. For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom lend to you to expect to receive a call, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. You will be sons of the Most High God. Your Father, you will reflect the heart of your Father. For He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Do you see the difference between the heart of God versus the heart of the world? That's why we must develop a generous heart, a heart that reflects our Abba, our father. Not only must we demonstrate or uh, develop a generous heart, we must develop a grateful heart. Well, isn't that about the same, Chantha? Yes, but I want you to notice how it's a little different in this context. In Deuteronomy 15, verse number 15, it says this, as we continue in Deuteronomy. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I commanded you this day. So he says, with a grateful heart, you will understand that you were once in those same shoes. So then you can be grateful for what God has done for you. And now you can give back and you can be generous because you understand the heart of generosity. So now you can be grateful. Did you know that God wants us to have a grateful heart? God wants us to reflect his heart. I, Paul said this, the apostle, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Wow, that was a heart of a shepherd who was grateful. He was grateful. Ruth Whetstone's birthday is today. She's precious. I'm embarrassing her. 
She's a precious 88 years old today, I believe. Oh, look at that. Your church family loves you. And she stopped me for a minute and she said, thank you for calling on my birthday and wishing me a happy birthday. And then someone else said, well, it was my birthday and he called me too. And it was my birthday and they're all weaving around. And then they had a little mini conversation and saying, isn't it good to be remembered? Because it's beautiful when we have a heart of gratitude it's easy. Someone once said to our pastors, and how do you remember everyone's name? It's easy when you've been praying for them. Not, there's no trick to it. There's no trick. Oh, I, I, I gotta remember. What's your name again? I forgot your name. All right, I'll remember that you're a doctor. That's it. Doctor. Dr. Faulkner. That's it. That's the way I'll remember. No. Paul demonstrated that it was easy for him to remember the names because he wrote in Philippians and Galatians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He knew the people that he was serving and he had a heart of gratitude and he had a heart of appreciation and he was grateful to serve them. And when you have a heart of gratitude, when it's, you're constantly reflecting the heart of God, it's easy to remember, wouldn't it? We, we call ourselves the family of God. Is that, is that a term that we use? Oh, forget your name again. I'm so sorry. I know you're my brother. I know we worship the Lord together. No, my name's Bart Gardner. I'm your brother. It'd be a good thing for you to get to know me and me to get to know you. Does that make sense? Because we have grateful hearts, grateful for what God is doing in your life and my life, and we celebrate together, we rejoice together. The Bible says we weep with them who weep and we rejoice with them who do rejoice, and there's a heart of gratitude and appreciation for one another. Grateful hearts. Let's be a family. Let's have heart habits that intertwine into the culture of this church where we're not trying, I'm not trying to get you to have my heart, and you're not trying to get me to have your heart, but we are trying to reflect the heart of our Father and we are receiving the heart of God, and that's the kind of habit and the culture that we wanna have for this church. We want to reflect the heart of God for each other and this community. That's how God can change us. We're gonna stand together. Shall we all do that for a moment? And as we're standing, I want to share something with you. I want our church to receive something that I believe will be a blessing. Ezekiel 36. In verse 26 says this, that I will trade your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I don't know where your heart may be in this matter. If you have a greedy heart or grungy heart or grievous heart or what kind of heart you may have, it doesn't matter. I want us to take one of these as God is leading you. Please don't do it because I'm telling you, but I want you to do it as an opportunity for you to stay engaged in what God is teaching you throughout this whole week because you are going to see the word of God come alive in your hearts this whole week. We have those message notes. You can grab them as you depart. If you want to be a part of a life group that wants to stay study some of these things together in a biblical community. You're welcome to do that as well. But <clears throat> at the very front, we have rocks, and they're about this size here. And this is a metaphor, if you will, of your heart. I'm not telling you that you have a heart of stone. I want you to grab this, and I want you to hold on to it and think about what God has done in your heart. 
God is, some of you, he's given you a heart of flesh, praise God. Others of you, you may be a little hard-hearted. You may be have some callousness towards God, towards the church, towards people, towards your wife, towards your husband, towards something. And you might have a grievous, a grieving heart where you're hurt. I pray that God would take, be able to take your heart and just in his hands, like no one else can do, just make it a heart of flesh and tender. I want you to take this and I want you to study Deuteronomy chapter number 15. I want you to read Ezekiel 36 verse 26. And I want you to see how God can take your heart of stone and the heart of stone of this church. And let's be a church that reflects the heart of God. That's the habit that we want, that we need in our church today. So these stones are here. I want you to grab them. Here's what I want you to do. Men, put them in your pocket. Just leave them there every single day as a reminder that I do not want to be hard-hearted towards what God is doing in my life, that I have grief or I have greed or I have uh, grumblings, and so I'm not able to receive the fullness of God's intimacy and love for me and the love of my church family just because I have ought with a brother and I have closed off the church or that brother or that sister. Instead, take that heart. Now, ladies, put it in your purse. Most of you, if you want to put it in your pocket, you're welcome. But you carry knives and uh, books and refrigerators and all that stuff, keys from 10 houses ago, it's still in your purse. Put it in your purse, remember it, that way we know that it's there, okay? Take it and whenever you dig down deep and you have to see that, you know, that big tunnel funnel in there that's in there, the abyss, and you touch that rock, you'll remember this message. And you'll say, God, I, I, wanna, I want a soft heart. I don't want a hard heart. That's not me. I want to reflect your heart. I want everyone to grab one of these and hang on to it. And then here's what I'm asking you to do. Bring it back next week because this is a continuation message. We're gonna do something with this heart of stone together, individually as well, corporately and then individually and you'll see how this works. We're gonna sing this song. It's a beautiful song. Let's worship the Lord together, but as Pastor Randy and the worship team sings, as you're singing, I want you to come and receive one of these rocks and take it home with you. Hold it as a remembrance of what God is doing in your heart today. Jesus
Father, if there's no, if someone here does not know you, Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they have not given their life or their heart to you yet, God, I pray that you would work on their heart and let, take their heart of stone. And Lord, would you give them a new spirit and a new heart? We're grateful for what you've done in our hearts today. We're anticipating already what you're going to do again next week. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen, amen. In your purses, in your wallets, in your pockets, God bless you, you are dismissed.